Locked on Syracuse is back and better than ever. We have a lot to get to here. First of all, the ACC kickoff event is finally out. The roster, that is, and Syracuse's four representatives are revealed. We're going to talk a little bit about that and what they bring to the table. Plus, you get to submit some questions. Just go check out our Twitter to do so when Bones heads down to North Carolina. And Bayheim's Army has a new addition for their roster. It's coming up in just a few days. The basketball tournament is almost here. All that and more Unlocked on Syracuse. Let's do it. Our Locked on Syracuse, your daily podcast on the Syracuse Orange. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome. I'm Brian Klein. He's Matt Bonaparte. This is Locked on Syracuse. We appreciate you making us your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online because Bet Online has you covered this season with more, more prompts, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online is where the game starts. Bones, it's good to be back with you. And this time we're going back to the whole dual episode system, not dedicating one episode to one topic because today there's a lot going on so we have to spread the love we'll start today though with the ACC kickoff event the roster revealed for Syracuse they're sending down a few players that's three Garrett Schrader Matthew Bergeron and Michael Jones and Dino Babers is going as well your thoughts uh I mean this is pretty much exactly what we thought it was going to be right I mean it had to be Schrader it had to be Michael Jones uh the other one up to is it going to be Sean Tucker? Probably not because he doesn't like talking. Uh, is it going to be whoever else? Garrett Williams, maybe. Maybe Deuce Chestnut wants to go, something like that. Probably not. At the end of the day, you take the left tackle, right? You take the left tackle and the quarterback. That makes all the sense in the world. I'm very excited to be there. I don't think people knew. I'm going down to Charlotte, North Carolina to the ACC kickoff to ask Dino Bergeron Schrader. Um, and Michael Jones' questions. So we're going to do a little segment where Brad and I think of questions that we want asked. I'm going to do my best to get them all out and get answers for all of them, and then I'll bring them back to the podcast. Uh, I was also just looking at the attendees list for this season because the entirety of it is out. Last year, Syracuse was the only team that was not sending a quarterback. Some teams yep. sent multiple quarterbacks. This time around, a lot of teams not sending a quarterback. Um, whether it be due to turnover, Duke's not sending a quarterback, Georgia Tech is not sending a quarterback, Pitt's not sending a quarterback, UNC's not sending a quarterback. Uh, so there are plenty of teams out there. Well, those are all in that teams. position. Virginia Tech as well, not sending a quarterback. Th those are teams in transitional periods. Yes, right? I Syracuse, know. Syracuse is a developing program, but I wouldn't call them a transitioning program. Garrett Schrader is still their guy. And before we get into the segment here, I think it's worth noting that Garrett Schrader being there isn't a surprise, but it is very, very, very important news because this is, you know, Babers telling the world Garrett Schrader's our quarterback. He didn't know that last year, so he didn't send a guy last year, but we know now who the quarterback is. I will also just say Georgia Tech has a junior quarterback who started for two seasons prior jeff sims i just not sending him yeah. uh so that's not great uh but yeah it, it is for for syracuse this is big 
Um, Carlo, we knew this pretty much that Carlos Del Rio Wilson was not going to get the start, but it is now set in stone pretty much. I mean, he could still win the job, but uh, it would be pretty unlikely. Garrett Schrader is going to be the quarterback of this team, probably for the majority of this season. I don't think Schrader, or I don't think Babers wants to go back and forth, bounce back. I think he wants one guy all season long. Um, so, so so let's start with Garrett Schrader then. Uh, we'll get to Dino Babers in a second. Let's start with Schrader, QB one, somewhat obviously at this point. So, what is off the top of your head? What are you looking to learn from Garrett Schrader in the ACC kickoff? I think I want to know about what it is being with Carlos Del Rio Wilson, right? Like, what does that add to the quarterback room? How, what does he add to the team? Is he on your heels? Do you feel that kind of heat kind of thing? Um, you want to know, is there competition? And if so, what is the competition doing for your game right now? Because as we know, quarterback competition usually breeds good play. I mean, it breeds uh, in practice. You're going to be going as hard as you possibly can because you got to beat out that other guy. So, um, I think Carlos Del Rio Wilson's the biggest question for probably Babers and Schrader. I agree. I think that's a that's a good question. It's a good topic that definitely will be asked, honestly, with or without you in the ACC kickoff. Other members of the media are going to want to know because that's what fans want to know about uh, the new shiny toy that Syracuse's offense has. His name is Carlos Del Rio Wilson, but what do you do now as Garrett Schrader? You're the incumbent guy. You were the new shiny toy last year, and you had to balance a relationship with Tommy DeVito. And if you remember, too, there wasn't friction, at least exteriorly. We don't know what was happening behind closed doors. But they didn't hide the the fact that the two weren't friends. They just ran in different circles is how Garrett Schrader explained it. And I'm not going to get into mind-reading Garrett Schrader, but he said, you know, it, it. we see each other on the field. It's business. And then off the field, it's off the field, and we I also really, that's fine. I think it was a really different situation because there were guys on the team who were DeVito guys. You know, like Taj yeah. Harris was a Tommy DeVito guy, and if Tommy DeVito wasn't the quarterback of the team, he wasn't the team's best wide receiver kind of thing. And we saw that in the Rutgers game. He got so frustrated on the field, stomping his feet. Um, I won't forget that. That was so crazy to see. Uh, and I think it was the next week he said, I'm out. So um, – Definitely a different situation where like none of these go guys know uh, Del Rio Wilson. So uh, and they're all on Schrader's side probably. So um, different kind of team chemistry this season for the, for the Qs, uh, and I think that'll probably benefit them. I remember around this time last year, it was I guess it was a little bit later. Garrett Schrader was talking a little bit about learning the offense, and that's not necessarily something that people should have freaked out about, but it is something that people did freak out about a little bit. How does he not know the offense? Well, because he's new, right? Uh, Garrett Schrader spent nearly a full season as the starter. And at this point, of course he knows the offense, but you you get the curveball of the different coordinators. So I'd like to know where he stands right now in his comfortability. Is he 100% confident in the playbook, in the system, in what the other coaches have to offer, considering there are new coaches, even though he's the incumbent starter. I think that if I had, I mean, that's a good question, honestly, uh, for, for Schrader. What has been, what, what's it been like working with the new coordinators 
how is the offense going to be different this season? I think that's a really big question because, like I've mentioned a bunch of times on this pod, Sterling Gilbert was the arid out guy. He was supposed to come in and you were just supposed to – Tommy DeVito was just supposed to throw bombs down the field. Uh, and Schrader came in and had a quarter, if that, of DeVito's throwing power. Uh, and the offense had to change radically. So now they have coordinators in there uh, who can pretty much go to what Schrader wants to do and and work an offense around him that benefits him the most. So I think that's a great question for, for Schrader. Uh, let's take a time out here and talk to you a little bit about Bet Online because Bet Online, we mentioned they're the sponsor of today's episode. Well, they're a little bit more than that. They are their, your number one source for all your betting needs and sports information. Find all of the latest sports developments, league reviews, and news, including this year's NHL playoffs. They they were fun and Major League Baseball. Bet Online is your continued source for all your sporting wagering information, including live betting, esports, and scores. And BetOnline.net remains the best spot for all your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. BetOnline.net is the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite sports and events. That includes MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. BetOnline, where the game starts. We're talking ACC kickoff here on Lockdown Syracuse. Matt Bonaparte and Brad Klein with you. All right, we got a couple of Schrader questions down. His Carlos Del Rio-Wilson relationship and the comfort with the new coordinators. Let's talk Michael Jones. Um, he's obviously the quarterback of this defense. Babers has called him that so many times. He is a huge captain and a huge leader on this team. I think the first question I have for him surrounds the uh, the defensive line. What's it going to be like this season? The defensive line last year was so fierce. They were fantastic, and nobody really expected a guy like Cody Roscoe from McNeese State, a two-star prospect, to come in and put together such a beast season. Uh, I think for Michael Jones, the question really is, what are you looking towards? What's going to be the biggest strength, biggest weakness of this year's defense? It's a good, it's a good question. Um it is a question worth asking, especially with the youth of the defensive line. We talked about Terry Lockett. We talked about Caleb Okacheku and and the other pieces, Steve Linton, of course, and he's more of an outside linebacker, uh, hand not in the dirt type. But for Michael Jones, I think that he, all he knows, especially in his unit, is stability. Stephon Thompson, Marlo Wax, and him, the triumvirate of linebackers. It's the most stable as far as depth, um, now nah, you can make the argument it's the most stable position group on the team. I don't even think it's a difficult argument to make. You want to contest with the running back and Sean Tucker, but that's it. After Tucker, uh, the linebackers are set, and and so it makes sense to talk about the defensive line. But the number one question that needs to be asked of of Michael Jones is his decision to return, because the season finale hits Pittsburgh game, they lose. And I remember asking him in the press conference, like, hey, I know you don't have a decision yet, but when will that decision be made? And he said really soon, soon after he came up with a decision to stay. And I asked him if he was seriously thinking about it. He was. He was seriously thinking about entering his name into the NFL draft. And I can guarantee you he would have been drafted. Don't know how high. Um, probably seen like fourth pick. Round. Yeah, probably around there, but uh, he made the decision to invest in himself, come back for another year, finish his degree, 
and hope to hear his name called a little bit earlier. I think it's going to happen, but it's still a very important decision for his career and a vitally important decision for Syracuse's season. So I'd love some inside information on that. Yeah, I also, just going back to what you were saying about the linebacking core being so strong, um, I think I'd love to hear what he has to say. Obviously, he's going to say number one, but I'd like to hear what he has to say. Where do you rank SU's linebacking core in the ACC? What sets you guys apart kind of thing? Um, because they are so good. I mean, Stefan Thompson, Marlo Wax, and him kind of can stack up against anybody, I really think. Um, so I wanna, I'd love to hear about what kind of strides they've made how they've become better because they were already so good. Okay, that's Michael Jones. Let's do some Bergeron now. Matthew Bergeron, I think, uh, who Brad has grown to like more and more as this podcast has gone on. He's a fantastic player, a guy who really got a lot better last season, kind of grew <clears throat> in the moment. And this year, without Aaron Service, he's going to be the guy. Yep. So there's a lot on his shoulders. There is. And so I, I guess my first question for Bergeron is, how have you developed into that de facto leader? What have you done differently between last year and this year in the absence of Aaron Service? Because we know how important he was as a super senior on and off the field, Bergeron's role now. Yeah, I think that's a good question. What have you done differently uh, leading up to this season that's made you a leader? Mm-hmm. And again, as a reminder, uh, you're hearing questions that we're cooking up now for Bones to ask all these Syracuse representatives, but go check out our Twitter, at LO Syracuse, Locked on Syracuse, and interact with us, tweet at us, and let us know what needs to be asked of these representatives for Syracuse. Again, it's Mike Kelly Jones on the on the defensive side, Matthew Berger on the left tackle, QB1 Garrett Trader, and head coach Dino Babers. And feel free to email us at LOSyracuse44 at gmail.com. If you don't want to tweet, have your uh, opinion out there for the Twitterverse, feel free to email us. We will definitely see it. Um, okay, what else for Bergeron? I mean, this is a really young offensive line, like you what you're, you said. He's definitely the leader, and a lot of guys who haven't really gotten uh, that kind of playing time are going to be thrown into the fire. I'd like to hear his opinion on like who has surprised him in camp that he didn't expect. Like who is it? Josh Iloa? Did he come out and just start playing really well? Uh, like who's coming out and who's going to be fantastic? So that's really what I want to hear about. Yeah, I think that Bergeron would give a pretty good would be a per, pretty good barometer for that, and and that's something that's going to be really important for Syracuse going forward the depth and the unknown guys. And how many times have we turned around week seven or whatever it is and just said, you know what? Syracuse could be better, but where would they be without this guy that we were not expecting much from Sean Tucker, right? So you think about that. Yeah. I was going to also mention Sean Tucker for Bergeron as well. Obviously Sean Tucker, uh, he's a fantastic athlete, but can do none of it without Matthew Bergeron in that offensive line. So a question to Bergeron about Tucker, Obviously, we know he's fantastic, so you can't really ask him a question that is about whether or not Tucker's going to be good. <laughs> so I don't know. Maybe I'll mull that one over. Maybe but what I just thought of so effective, but he's been asked about Tucker multiple times, and he will be again. How could you not? But but I think that Bergeron, the biggest thing for Bergeron is him as a leader 
And honestly, if you want to throw this down again as an, as another question is, how is the pass game developing? The receiving core is in a lot of question. Garrett Schrader seems to be the guy. I mean, he's sitting next to Bergeron at ACC kickoff, right? So you'd expect Schrader to be the guy. And his arm has been a question mark, was a question mark all of last year. So how is the passing game different between last year and how will it be different this year? I think that's a good question. Um, I think for Schrader, you could ask him about receivers as well. Yeah. Um, who's who's grown the most? Uh, this kind of a generic one. All right. On to the big man, Dino Babers. Yep. All right. Now, I'll, question... I'll just say it. I'll just say it. The first question that needs to be asked and likely will be of Dino is on the conference realignment stuff. And he probably, probably knows as much or as little as we do, but he's a man of authority. And you would think that he has a vested interest in this. So I want to know about where he thinks college football is headed and where he thinks Syracuse stands in that game of musical chairs. Yeah, I think you're going to – okay, of course, like, Dino is – he gives fun sound sometimes. Like, he'll start talking yeah. about the cake hasn't been baked yet or whatever. But he's always also going to be like, you know, we're up there with the best of them, blah, blah, blah. And you're just going to be like – Mahalo for your Kakua. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I, I would like to hear what he has to say, but I think you're going to get something generic on that. Um, I want to hear about Danny Valari. Yeah. For, for Babers like what who what is he going to do like how is Danny Villari going to be included in the offense yeah I, I've heard some rumors about him as a Taysom Hill type but I, I don't know I, my my expectation is that he's going to add depth and that they might use him as a gadget but my my thought is that they brought Villari in not expecting to land a Carlos Del Rio Wilson and now it's an embarrassment of riches which is not a problem that's good and essentially needed with how fluid the transfer portal is right now. But what Valari has over Del Rio Wilson is that he was at Syracuse for spring ball. And that uh, that's a big factor right there. Yeah. I think, I think in, in tune with the Valari question about what his role will be, try to figure out where he ranks on the depth chart, at least going into the season, right? Because we all think that Del Rio Wilson is more talented but Valari has more experience both as a collegiate quarterback and as a Syracuse quarterback as well. Yeah. Um, I think you're right in the fact that I think we're taking all for, for granted a little bit about Carlos Del Rio Wilson saying, okay, of course he's quarterback too, but I wouldn't be surprised if Babers goes out there and is like, he still has to earn it, blah, blah, blah. And that would be valuable information too. Um, yeah, for Babers, I mean, this is such an interesting season for him, right? Like he's his job's not on the line, but the fans want it to be. Um, Wild Hat claims he's not on the hot seat, but he also has had three incredibly disappointing years of football. Uh, I think you know you've got to ask him what makes this year different. Why are they going to be good this year? Obviously, he has full confidence in the team, and you can't really ask him how much confidence he has, but. Why are they going to be good this year, and why were they not last year? Why couldn't they do it last year, and why will they this season? Yeah, and, and you know how I feel about this topic. It's definitely uh, Brad's chip on his shoulder, but November, right? November needs to be asked about. And and, and uh, if you want to guess, he's going to talk about injuries and fatigue, but 
it's an unacceptable answer from where I'm sitting, right? Because everyone's injured at that part of the year and everyone's fatigued. But why can't Syracuse win in November? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, what are they? What's the stat on that? Do you know it? Oh, it's, it's five it and they're five and I believe 16 in November on his tenure. Yeah. Wow. Okay. I'm going to fact check that, but you go can... ahead. It's, it's definitely in that realm, but yeah, Dino Babers has really struggled late in the season. So just to recap on Babers specifically, we ask him about conference realignment, Dan Valari's role and where he ranks on the depth chart, how this season is going to be different from last, uh, wildly disappointing year it's funny because if you told Syracuse fans the beginning of last year five wins I don't think they would have scoffed at it but by the time you got to November with five you're expecting a bowl game and it didn't happen and why can't specifically why can't this team win in November so yeah Dino Babers that's been his Achilles heel but he goes into this season with uh, definitely some a little bit more than he had last year you bring back your best player all right best defensive player at least at Mike Kelly Jones from the NFL and then Sean Tucker, of course, is going to dominate all defenses. The question is, how much can he do alone with the stacked boxes? So as Bones rummages through. Five and 17. Okay, I was close. I said, what, five and 16? Yeah, you're very close. Let's go. I mean, five and 17 is garbage. That's terrible. I didn't include December, but I feel like I should because it's late season. Yeah, it's a November stat. Also, if you included December, that would be. It's six and 18. Okay. Yeah, they, I'm surprised they won a game in December. I guess they the, have more bowl, yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. So if you do whatever you want. Neither one is good. 5 and 17, 6 and 18, they're both terrible. So, and th- that's when you need to be playing your best football, right? So that's uh, that's definitely the question I would want to ask of Dino Babers. But again, you can go check us out on Twitter and get your voice heard to Dino, to Garrett, to Michael and to Matthew, all four representatives for Syracuse football at the ACC kickoff, and Bones will be the messenger, the voice of the people. All right, before we say goodbye for today, we have to talk about the newest addition for Bayheim's Army. They bring in Matt Morgan, who was the Ivy League uh, star early in his career, played for Cornell, and went undrafted in 2019. His father, a former Georgetown player, not so happy about him playing for the Syracuse alumni team, but it looks like Matt Morgan could be an asset for Bayheim's Army. Yes. Um, the guy averaged 22 points a game in his last two seasons in college, in which he was a teammate of Jimmy Bayheim. So that's an interesting fold for Syracuse fans. Um, the other one is that now with the addition of him, and if there is no cut on the team now, that means that it's 50-50 split between non-Syracuse players and Syracuse players. I'm not stoked about that. I won't lie. Yeah, I yeah. want I want to keep it a majority Syracuse player thing. Um, I don't think they're going to add one, but they could potentially cut somebody. I doubt they will, but I'm not cool. I'm not huge on that. <clears throat> but Morgan's a really, really good player, and I think he's going to get a lot of minutes. I bet you that Andrew White plays almost nothing. Wow. I, I don't I don't think Andrew White's going to play a lot. I remember last year he didn't play a lot and he when he did he was bad. Um I don't know how he's going to play this year but I cannot imagine Andrew White's going to get a ton of minutes. I think that it's going to once again be a majority effort from the non-Syracuse guys which maybe you don't like but it is what it is. That's how you win the million. 
Yeah. So DJ Kennedy, DeAndre Kane, or DeAndre Kane's not there this year, but DJ Kennedy is. Um, and what's his face? Wiltshire uh, and Matt Morgan are going to be are going to be huge for this team. So CJ's going to play, Rakeem's going to play, and Tyler Ennis is going to play. Yeah, but I could not guarantee you any of the other guys are. By the way, you might be asking yourself which NFL stars move the betting line the most starting July 18th. Locked On gives you the 50 most valuable players in the NFL from the odds makers at Bet Online. Available July 18th on Locked On NFL, wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube. Bones, you might be onto something there about what Syracuse has and what they do. Excuse me, Bayheim's Army has and what they don't. I feel like that's typically your mistake, and typically I nail that. That is but, usually my mistake. Yeah. Um, I feel like I'm allowed one per episode. Sure. I think we're both allowed as many as we want. Yeah. Okay, that's good too. Uh, <laughs> I, I think I, I think you're right that the, it might be more of a non-Syracuse effort, which uh, may be a little disappointing to some, but you're still going to get what you want when you tune in, which is the nostalgia of seeing Tyler Ennis in an orange uniform or Keem Christmas, CJ Fair again. And then at the end of the day, I mean, when the ball t- when the ball is tipped and the first quarter begins – do quarters right yeah um you're gonna want to see victories it's not that's just the way it is you're gonna be you're gonna say the first few minutes is you're gonna say oh it's really cool to see these players and then the the score is going to accumulate and you're gonna say wait we want to win we want to get to that elam ending so i agree with you and i think it's a good thing yeah i think it's just that a lot of fans would rather syracuse win with 100% 100% their guys, which I agree with, but I just they don't tried think it is. though. They tried it for yeah. years. What I, that was what I was going to say. Is it, we they tried it so many times. I just don't know if that's possible. Um, because I mean, if you took the alumni, if you took the best possible alumni Syracuse had, has it's there's totally a potential for it, but some of them play in the NBA. Yeah. Well, uh, they win and, with Carmelo. So, ex- well, they win with Carmelo, or if they go get O'Shea Brissett or Tyus Battle, some of those guys like Jeremy Grant, entirely different. You just don't have the best players. So, uh, I mean, they're going to be good. They're going to be really good. And I think Matt Morgan makes them that much better. I think this is going to be the the most talented the TBT has ever been. So yeah. I'm really, really excited to see it. And, and we were saying that before Morgan was added. I will say, uh, Bones, before he's 24, he before we started recording this podcast, and we're recording it uh, on Thursday afternoon around 3.30 right now, Eastern, before we hit record, you said, oh, man, Bayheim's army just added a dog. And that's how you described him. I'm hoping that that's the true scouting report because they could use him, right? They could use him. The first thing I thought of when you said that was, so he's going to be like Eric Devendorf, right? You kind of need a player like that. Well, I, I don't know if he's like that. I just know that he's fantastic. I mean, this dude, he's no. also like, he's young. Like you said, 24, yeah, 24. years old, like. Probably one of the youngest players in the DBT. Like he's fantastic, and he's yeah. really, really good. So yeah, I'm really excited. I'm to see excited. Him I'm excited to see him play. I'm excited to see what he adds. Uh, but we really appreciate you making Locked On Syracuse your first listen every day. Go ahead and join Candace Cooper. Your second listen every day should be Locked On ACC, giving you the inside information and analysis every day. In less than 30 minutes, local experts take you across the ACC and tell you everything you need to know about the opponents for Syracuse basketball and Syracuse football. Again, it's Locked on ACC, your second listen every day. Bones and Brad, we are done for the week. 
But we are back next week. Until then, stay safe and enjoy your weekend.